You like homers? Welcome to Atlanta. Wow. No, I mean, it's kind of crazy. Felt like we played four Coors Field games, quite honestly. From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is the Braves Report presented by Kroger, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. From the press box at Truist Park, I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter Justin Toscano. And Justin, don't look now. The Braves are on fire again. Yeah, this was the team we really expected to see this entire season. They were really, really good. And I know it was only against the Rockies, but a four-game sweep, a four-game sweep, a four-game sweep. They won this one. They outscored the Rockies by a combined 28 runs over these four wins, and it looked easy. It, it, it was a, a, a Coors Field-type series, but only one team was playing at Coors Field. Yeah, yeah, the, the Braves. There are a host of stats that really illustrate how good this team has been all year, you know, with home runs, long home runs. I've got a good one for you there. And then in June, they've been the hottest offense in baseball. They are rolling. Uh, this has been a lot of fun for you Braves fans. All right, coming up, we will have all of those stats on why this Braves offense is a smoke show at the moment and why the big flies are getting even bigger. Is Brian Snitker's lineup adjustment here to stay? Plus, what Spencer Strider will have to do to get things back on track? We'll have an update on the Braves' injured potential all-star catcher and the answers to all your questions in the Ask Justin segment. This is your first time listening to our show. We welcome you, and please make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. It is hot. It's getting humid. It's pool season. It's grilling season. And if you are the grill master of your home or the grill eating expert, or both, Kroger is your grilling go-to source for all things for your summer barbecues. They've got the burgers, they've got the dogs, they've got the ribs, they've got the steaks, and all the sides too, plus any decorations you want for your party. So head to Kroger.com or your local Kroger store today and check out the deals. You gotta, come on man, we've still got like 30-40 minutes of this and you're already gonna make me hungry? My stomach's growling and you're reading off all this good stuff that I realize I could be grilling right now. Are you a grill master or are you an expert eater? Uh, both. <laughs> Why not both? No, I, I think I would be more the grill master. Like, I love food, but there's a little bit of part of me that wonders, like, wow, why do I have to waste a couple hours a day eating? Like, I would rather be doing other stuff, but I do like grilling. It is a lot of work, and sometimes for not a lot of enjoyment. But if you're if you're grilling out for a barbecue, a lot of fun there, and Kroger is the place to go. Now, since 2018, when the Braves started their streak of five straight NLEs titles... They have the best record in baseball in June. So far this June, they are 13-3, and and once again, the best team in baseball this month. Yeah, man, they have been really good. I mean, I think they lead. So they lead baseball. They entered Sunday leading baseball with an 896 team OPS in June. As a team, that is one through nine. Everybody on the team, eight. Now that is almost a 900 OPS. It surely will be by tomorrow. Pro- uh, with, probably didn't go down when you're hitting yeah, a double digit up there. And you have 18 hits, four home runs, I think, two from Eddie, one from Ozzy, one from Harris. Um, they lead baseball also this month um, for the June numbers in batting average, home runs. Uh, runs per game was 6.6. As of beginning of play Sunday, so that's going to go up uh, when you score 14 runs. Jay, the uh, the Rockies were only a touchdown off, but I don't know if they would have gotten it, they still would have had to go for two. Uh, Russell Wilson was not here to save. No, no, and um, and honestly, with the way he played last year, I'm not sure if I would have wanted him here to no. try to save. No, but I think um, 
this offense has been ridiculous, right? We kind of, uh, a few weeks ago, we sat here saying, is this a little bit of a rut? Is it something that's going to last? And I won't take the victory lap. This is a long season. But I mean, I think we all, both of us just sat here with clear, cool heads that prevailed um, because, you know, we're not fans. We're here to do this objectively. We could see that this team was going to get here. But to get here in the stretch that it did, just it flipped like a switch. It was crazy. And here's what's stunning to me, um, as Brian Snicker illustrated in the postgame press conference here. This is not just home runs. It's not just, you know, smacking doubles and triples around the yard. It's a lot of good at bats. To me, the the walks, the you know, we're not striking out as much. We're walking more. The walks are scoring. Just better at bats overall, I think, for the, you know, and I think that's just a product of the guys are a year older. You know, we're talking about a young team still. And, you know, they're continuing to mature and, and get confidence and, and figure things out. And I think that's what you're seeing. I don't think it's, you know, it's just a group of guys that, that work really hard and, and they're, you know, they're, they're maturing and getting better. He wouldn't take the bait when asked about all the home runs and the big flies and all that. But what he did like was when the homers are coming, there's people on base because they're not striking out as much. They're taking the walk. They're getting the ball in play. Yeah, and I think this is the the best of the Braves offense, right? Like, I think a, f- a fan's complaint is, well, they're just boom or bust. Well, on the days when that happens and they strike out a lot, fine, whatever. But the, the boom is pretty good, right? Because they're homering so much. And I think they're good enough where they have enough contact in that lineup. They have enough dangerous hitters. And they have a, such a stacked lineup that pitchers are almost – trying to be too fine, it seems. They try to get too cute. We saw it today with Chase Anderson, which you don't want to use one pitcher to single, you know, to create correlation. But he was staked to a five-run lead after two innings, and he comes out and walks, the first, you know, a couple batters in that inning. And it's like, I think you can see pitchers try to work around this lineup because one through nine, they're very scary. And it's like, in baseball, you've got to go right after guys. you got to pound the zone. That's tough to do when the names staring back at you are the ones that Brian Snicker's putting on the lineup card every single day. And right now we're seeing the best of both worlds. Yes, the Braves can slug, but right now they're getting on base at a great clip. They're walking. The at-bats have been good. What comes to mind for me throughout the week were in that doubleheader against Detroit, Eddie Rosario and Ozzie Albies, two of the freest swingers in the game, walked back-to-back twice in one of those games. Kevin Pillar worked an 11-pitch at bat uh, that ended up good on that doubleheader game. In this series against the Rockies, great at bats up and down the line, around the board, and the Braves won this game today, at least, Sunday's finale, without Ronald Acuna doing much, without Austin Riley doing anything. This is an offense that's kind of built to last when they're playing with a little more on base in mind and the at bats are a little better. And we talked to Michael Harris after the game, Here's a big thing is we often hear these guys say, trust, you know, trust the teammates, trust the the next guy in line. You got to move the line. And that's what Michael Harris said. Everybody on this team trusts each other. And that's that's a big thing about this team. Um, Next guy up is going to is going to pick up the guy in front of him and then the guy after him, guy after him. Here's the thing. Everybody in baseball likes to say that it's easier to implement it and, you know, and easier to keep it in mind when the guy behind you is actually doing his job and you know, it's easier not to try to do too much when the guy behind you is doing his job. But why is Michael Harris so hot right now? Yeah, it was a lot going on early in the season. I wasn't, I guess, 
I would get going a little bit, then something happens, and then I get going again, and something else happens. So it was, I guess it was just just getting consistent reps, and I guess I have that now, and I'm starting to feel more and more like myself and have the confidence. So I guess that's a reason why I guess I had a day like today. I'm feeling like myself and having confidence. On Monday, Michael Harris was hitting 190. Since then, he's had a three-hit game, a four-hit game, and a five-hit game on Sunday, and has raised his average 59 points. I- that's funny how things can change, right? And, and even so, he had a three hit game on Monday. On Tuesday, I wrote a story about how I thought he was, you know, how he thought he was experiencing some bad luck. His expected average, um, and for those who don't know, to dumb it down a little bit, expected stats take in the quality of contact as well. So, an expected batting average, he had an expected batting average at that time when he was hitting like 190, 200 of 246. So 46 points higher based on the quality of his contact. He was hitting a lot of balls hard. They weren't finding holes. Maybe he wasn't hitting them hard consistently enough. And I was joking with him uh, in Detroit after he had that four-hit game with the home run. And by the way, Kerry Carpenter in left field almost robbed that home run. And I asked Michael, I go, so two weeks ago, that one would have been robbed, right? And he goes, he laughs and he goes, yeah, yeah, for sure. And he goes, and if he didn't catch it, he would have brought it back some, the baseball gods would have brought it back somehow. And it's... It's funny because he was joking about that today too, like about his five hit game saying, yeah, I don't know how I got it done. I mean, I guess balls are finding holes. I'm hitting them hard, but the baseball gods are on my side now. For Michael Harris, it was, you know, it, it seemed really frustrating, but he also was hitting balls a lot of hard, it, it, a lot of balls hard. It's tough to pin it on luck all the time. But Jay, when I looked for that story, his expected batting average was higher. His hard hit rate was higher. He was walking more everything was there all the ingredients were there but the casserole still came out tasting very poorly um and now starting to taste a little better it's starting to be there for him now who had a better week harris or this guy feel blessed when the people call my name eddie eddie um i appreciate that for the fans we got a nice eddie eddie chant here starting to get a little bit of a glimpse of super rosario again yeah i mean everybody always looks at it from the point of man like if the Braves have this guy, this guy, this guy going, and they have Eddie, like it's going to be awesome. That's often a fallacy in baseball on the point of you're never going to have seven or eight guys going at the same time or even six a lot of times. But if Eddie Rosario is going, that's, that increases the odds that five or six can, you know, four or five can get going at the same time. And Eddie Rosario looked really, really good today. He has. To me, it started that road trip to Oakland. Uh, in Phoenix, where he really started. I mean, it it looked better. You know, he was hitting balls hard. They were finding holes. He's a bat-to-ball guy, but he's walked in five consecutive games, as our intern, Colin Beasley, pointed out. And you talk about getting seven, eight guys going at the same time, which is hard to do. The Braves only have two guys so far in the month of June with an OPS below 789. It's Matt Olson and Austin Riley. Oh, my God. 789, too, is a, a very good OPS. I, I'm just excited to talk about the home run stat. When are we going to get to that? Well, I mean, let's go I, ahead. I, and, I, let's go ahead and get right there then. Cause we, we've seen a lot of big flies, including the biggest big fly of the week, Travis Darno at 474. I'm going to claim it every single day of my life. So that's, that's what it said. That's what it said. And these are the two things that have pressed me most of the season is how much the Braves punch you right square in the face in the first inning, which didn't happen on su- on Sunday, but happens seems like every other night. And when they hit a home run, it seems like it goes over 450 feet almost every other time. It's getting to be ridiculous. So 
Michael Harris hit a 453-foot home run in Sunday's win. Jade, that brings the Braves. The Braves now have... This is such a fun stat that I'm trying to say it in the perfect way. The Braves now have 16 home runs that have traveled at least 450 feet. That leads the majors by 10. And the great part about that is the all-time records in StatCast began keeping track. And honestly, like this is a power era in baseball right now. I can't imagine the guys in the, the 1960s would have this many home runs. So I think we can feel safe that these are the first time this has happened in baseball. Maybe the steroid era. I don't know. But the record since StatCast began keeping track, which is 2015, is 19. That was done by three Colorado teams. So let's, I mean, maybe we don't throw that out, but maybe for the sake of this exercise, we say that there's a big asterisk on that because they get to play 81 of those games at Coors Field where the ball flies. So Jay, today was game 72. The Braves have already tied the record for non-Colorado teams for 450-plus foot homers. They're going to stand alone pretty soon. They're tied with the 2017 Yankees, and the 2017 Marlins, both of those teams had 16 home runs of 450 feet or more over 162 games. The Braves have done it 16 times in 72 games. The guy with the most of those, of, of that batch of 16, Ronald Acuna Jr. with six. Six. Which is tied for second place among all the other teams. The Rockies in Colorado. Has six homers over 450. Ronald has six alone. I just can't. It's like, I, I, this, it's such a stunning gap. And there are 10 teams. We looked it up today in the press box. There are 10 teams that don't have a single home run over 450 feet. A third of the league. It, it It's insane. It's like, to me, it's mystifying, but it does seem like you're like, wait, it's only 16. Because it does it seem does like seem, it, it does, does seem, seem like every other home run is going, you know, you look at it and you're like, wow, that ball's cranked. Or like Ronald hit one in Detroit for those who those who watched can relish in me reminiscing over this. Those who didn't, it hit the ivy. So there's a little that little wall in Detroit, the wall, and then beyond that, there's a little bank with some grass right there. Yep. Beyond that is the batter's eye with the ivy. He hit more than halfway up the batter's eye with ivy. The ball was off the bat at 114.5 miles an hour. It was hit so hard that it banged off the batter's eye and fell back into play. Physics should not work like this. Like, it doesn't... It it just feels like this team is just... Every time they hit a ball, it's cranked. Like, there are no cheapies with the 2023 Atlanta Braves. Now, one notable change we did see, despite all the home runs this week, or maybe because of it, is Brian Snicker tweaking his lineup a little bit. Ozzie Albies hitting second. Matt Olson down to fifth. Is this something that may be here to stay? <laughs> After this series? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, well, certainly for I the think, next week. Okay, like I understand that the Rockies aren't the best team in baseball. In fact, they're pretty bad. But, I mean, if it works to this degree over four games, you've got to stick with it, right? Like, Olsen hit well in this series. But Ozzy, Ozzy didn't give you a reason to take him out of the two-hole. Now, Brian Snickers always said that Ozzy Albies is a guy that can hit anywhere in the lineup based on the type of profile player he is and kind of his mindset and his approach. But, I mean, he didn't give you any reason to take him out of the two-hole. And Matt Olson, by the way, is showing that with this lineup, 
the fifth spot in the lineup can still be a big run producer. Like it, you can still come up in a lot of run producing spots. And I just don't think like, I yeah, I think they're going to roll this out until it doesn't work. But I'll give you this. I know we've seen Ozzy in the two hole before, right? But if you would have told me that Ozzy was there before Harris this year, I don't think I would have believed you. Because I remember in spring training, we were talking about who's, if it's not Olsen, who's the guy? Is it Harris? Is it da-da-da? Is it da-da-da? I mean, I thought it you know, would be Harris. Ozzy's worked perfectly in there. A lot of that being due to, he's had a lot of power from the left side. I mean, he's got seven home runs from the left side since May 15th. And obviously, he's got more at-bats from the left side because they're more right-handed pitchers than left-handed pitchers. But this is an encouraging development just because he's always been a guy, as we've discussed before, that's been seen as... This guy, was, he's great from the right side, not so good from the left side. Take what you can get from the left, you know, whatever. He's great from the right side. I mean, way better from the right side. I mean, sure, that can still stand because right now his average is slightly above 200 from the left side. But I think this power surge is really encouraging. Your top two um, leaders in RBIs in the National League. Ozzy Albies after Sunday, 52. Matt Olson, 51. At, uh, on the same team. On that'll the same that'll team. do. That'll do. I think uh, I think when you're looking at that in June, things are going pretty well. And they are because the Braves now, Jay, 20 games over 500 for the first time all season. It's funny because over the last week plus, it feels like you're just riding that. You're like 15 games over for the first time all season, 16 games over for the first time all season, 17, 18. Jay, the Braves go, uh, just to recap this a little bit, seven straight before the loss to the Nationals and then another loss to the Tigers. Six straight since then. They've won 13 of their last 15 games. Uh, June is a month that tends to go very well for this team. Though. The only bit of bad news from this series is Braves got a scare on Saturday with Sean Murphy. Had to leave the game with a hamstring strain, but you had a chance to talk to him after Sunday's game. And the good news is he's not on the IL. It was mild to begin with. It just had yeah, it confirmed that it was mild. So it's good. Yeah. It's not great, but it's good considering. Yeah. So I guess it could have been worse. Yeah, yeah, it really sounds like it. And I um I mean, you never like to see he scorched a would be double and it was a single. You never like to see a guy pull up at first like that. Hamstrings are you know, can be the worst thing in this game because they're tricky. They take a lot longer than you think sometimes. Kind of like obliques, right? Like you never know what to expect. You're punching at a ghost, you're hitting a pinata that's going up and down and you can't see it, you got a blindfold. But this one seems that like the Braves have avoided the worst. And this could just be something they thought, but I thought it was really good news that we saw the tweet earlier about two roster moves. Sean Murphy's name was not mentioned in that tweet. The Braves called up uh, Chadwick Tromp to serve as a healthy backup catcher, and then they designated Charlie Culberson for assignment. Sean Murphy's name was not mentioned, and it seems like the Braves are going to just, they're just going to wait a few days and, and see how things go to see if they can avoid an injured list stint. The rule is that you have... You know, you can backdate an injured list placement to the day after a player last played, so it would be Sunday, but you can only do it three days. So the Braves basically have to make the decision by Wednesday. Wednesday is decision day for them. They're going to try to stave it off, but for right now, it's just mild inflammation in that hamstring, and it seems like it could have been a lot worse. I asked Sean Murphy um, if he thought he could avoid, you know, if he thinks this is going to be something that can avoid, you know, where he can stay off the injured list. He said, uh, I'll have a lot better answer for you in 48 hours. The craziest part to me about that uh, those roster decisions right now, which this may be the first time this has ever happened to this team, the Braves currently do not have a utility infielder on the roster. Should I – do I have to 
read kind of what's going to happen if something happens, or is that putting it out into the universe? It's up to you. I uh, so, and if you're the Braves, like you're banking on nothing happening because Charlie Culberson was on the roster for a month and didn't get didn't in the game, play. didn't even play. Um, so if the Braves need a shortstop, it's probably going to be Riley. If they need a second baseman, probably going to be Rosario, who played there in the minors. If they need a third baseman, it's probably going to be Trump, who I think probably moves just a little bit better between him and Darno. And if they need a first baseman, it'd be like Trump or Darno. Um, and then Austin Riley told us this morning with a smile, let's just hope we don't get there. <laughs> the Braves had a couple injury scares. They've won so much and scored so much that we haven't talked about them yet. Marcelo Zuna got drilled on the hand on Monday, played two days later. Yep. Jesse Chavez is on the injured list, but it sure seems like that comebacker, especially when I saw him, I was there in Detroit. When I saw him not getting up and going after that ball, I was like, man, is this like a season ender? Like, is he, because you think like fractured leg or something, three or four months, maybe like that's almost the season right there. The Braves this week had a lot of bad luck, but good luck within that bad luck of things, you know, seeming fortunate. I'll give you this for a little uh, levity. All was good with the Jesse Chavez situation when we saw Jesse kind of joking and his throwing partner, AJ Minter, put a wheelchair in front of his yeah. locker. Um, and then AJ himself, or and then Jesse, I should say, himself said, you know, I was really lucky because the mechanics and the way I land actually helped me out. So with the way he lands, the ball actually got, quote unquote, the little part of the calf I do have, he said. Um, and he was joking with himself there. Instead of getting straight on bone. So that seems like it went well. And man, Marcelo Zunas, to me, that looked bad. Like you watch, I watched it back on the broadcast that night. He couldn't even squeeze assistant athletic trainer Jeff Stevenson's hand. And Stevenson, Jeff had to, he had to take off Ozuna's protective like batting pads on, on the left arm. Ozuna couldn't even use that right hand. Seems like the Braves locked out with both of those. We'll see where Jesse is once the 15 days is up. Um, and we'll see if Sean kind of, can avoid the injured list. All right, coming up, the lineup is on fire. The Braves have caught some breaks with injuries. But why isn't their flamethrower as hot as he has been? We'll talk to Spencer Strider and find out why he's struggling the last couple of outings. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. All right now, at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, we are proud that we've got more ways for you to enjoy coverage of this team than any organization in Atlanta. Of course, we've got this podcast. We've got multiple stories a day on AJC.com. We've got the beautiful photos and layouts in our e-paper. And we've got the Braves Report newsletter, which comes in your inbox every Monday and Friday. And we've made an enhancement to that newsletter on Fridays with the Braves Dispatch. 
Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty sweet, man. I've always wanted to have some sort of newsletter or something I could put a name and a face on and maybe write with a little more voice. So you're going to see a lot in there. Like it might be tidbits on guys. It might be analysis. This week it was a story on the time, um, you know, a tradition they do every year where Orlando Arcia, Ozzy Albies, and Ronald Acuna Jr. take all the Latino minor leaguers out to dinner in spring training and pay for the tab. It could not have been cheap. Um, a lot of minor leaguers there um, and a chance for them to, to soak in all the knowledge and ask their questions and just a chance for them to feel comfortable. So, yeah, this is a way for me to connect with you more. Um, not you, Jay, the readers. Well, you too, if you read it. We, 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 we connect. We, we, yeah, yes. we connect enough. Um, so, I yeah, I, I really, I'm kind of, I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to, to kind of, yeah, connect with readers more and, and make it more of a conversation and make it something that people can expect um, every Friday in their inboxes, make it something that's not only informative, but fun and light. A lot of times the news of the day and just the flow of the season dictates what I write. Like I try to write offbeat stuff around that and be creative and, and do it in ways that are creative to me and specific to me. This is probably the best way I can do that because I can pick uh, what, you know, I want to write about each week. I can, you know, it'll be relevant, but I can make it informative. I can make it light. I can make it creative. It can be serious if I want. Um, I was just happy that the mugshot that they used for me on the top of that didn't, <laughs> didn't look too bad. And I was proud of the Braves dispatch name. I came up with that myself. All right. Well, congratulations. So, so to get access to the Braves dispatch as part of the Braves report newsletter, we do have a link in the show notes. So you can go there or go to AJC.com slash newsletters. Check out everything we have to offer. Some of them like the Braves report are free. Others, you must be a subscriber. And Ken Segura, who's their Georgia tech writer. He's now one of our columnists, another columnist for us, Ken has been around the scene. Um, he knows what's going on. Ken was out today, and he was out at Truist Park in the press box talking to none other than Jesse Chavez. So look out for that column and all of Ken's work. I mean, Ken's going to do a fantastic job, and uh, he said Jesse was great, and there are a couple good anecdotes in there that he told me about, so you're not going to want to miss that one. All right, now, this week has not been all peaches and cream for everybody. Spencer Strider got knocked around again by the Tigers earlier this week, and that ERA has actually jumped up over four. You alluded last time to kind of fighting yourself mechanically a little bit. Has there been anything you've been able to pinpoint? Yeah, there's a few things. Um, you know, I mean, I feel in some ways like I actually made some progress today, but, you know, I need the results to show it. It's really what matters. So, you know, I want to go out there and be a liability. I'm not really putting us in a, ch in a position to win the game very often. Fortunately, we've been able to when I pitched, but um, certainly not because of anything I've done. So, like I said, credit to everybody else continuing to pick me up and, and play well. And, um, you know, i got to figure out how to be better. Some of the mislocations, is that mostly mechanics, or does it come down to other things like execution, little things like that? Yeah, I mean, execution is always important, no matter, you know, how well anything's working or how you feel. But, um, you know, i got I got to figure some things out that I'm doing so um, to put me in a position to execute. Um, so got to keep working on it. It almost seemed like Strider was a lock for the All-Star team and top five in the Cy Young like three weeks ago. Where have things gotten a little sideways? Yeah. Um, man, I wish I could – sometimes, I mean, pitching and hitting, honestly, it's – the margin for error is very thin. Uh, it could be a little thing here, a little thing there. I always remember Adam Duvall, and I'm not – this probably isn't a good story for the podcast because he, we're not doing it over video, but – I remember Adam Duvall once told me last year that, like, in hitting, he was saying, I was asking about one of his slumps, in hitting, it's just a little teeny-beeny, you know, itty-bitty thing, 
and he like scrunched his fingers together as like it's just a little tiny margin. I you know it's just it's little thing mechanically here or there, honestly. And and you know Spencer has talked about discovering some things in mechanics. He said that you know said he even made progress. I think that a lot of it's location. Like you you look at the location on some of those homers. It's not like guys are golfing them below the zone or getting them right at the top of the zone. A lot of times he's left a middle middle. And here's the other thing I see that me and a, I, I know a couple others have talked about, you know, in the press box or just wondered about is um, like the Mets start specifically where he gave up eight runs. The velocity was down yeah. and it wasn't like 92, but it was like, I do wonder if, if you're throwing the ball, you know, if you're throwing strikes, isn't 96 different than 98 or 99? Like it, it might, you know, that, that extra two miles an hour that might make a difference. I mean, I think Spencer's going to be fine, though. Like, he, you talk to him, he's too smart, man. He's too talented. Like, he, he's got the natural talent. Here's where Spencer's incredible is he's as much natural talent as he has, he's just a fiend for the craft. Like, he is obsessed with pitching. Like, he has other interests, yeah, but like, he just loves the craft and he loves digging into it. And he is so smart. And like, I, that's why I know he's going to turn around. Like, this is not, it's not that Spencer Strider got figured out or that, the league knows what to expect or that he'll never be the same or it, it. I don't think it's any of that. Honestly, I think it's a couple small things, missed execution, mislocation, like not, not lo- just not locating really well with that fastball right now. Um, and when it's not playing at 99, like it's not playing up. And so I just think that, I mean, it's, you know, the velocity is just a telltale thing. Like it's there when he needs it, I think, but the velocity is just what we look at. And I think that's flawed to some degree because there are mechanical things. It's a matter of execution, whether you feel good, whether you don't feel good, as he mentioned. I do think it's got to be relatively small, though. Like, I don't see anything discernible. Or I, and I, I'm not a pitching coach, so I wouldn't know. But I, to me, it looks – it's probably location. Like, you leave balls over the middle, like over the heart of the plate, like even belt high, like – guys are going to hit them like it doesn't matter if they play for the tigers the mets the diamondbacks i don't you know who knows like it just it just really feels like he's kind of off right now and things aren't really working and it's that it is it is shocking though because the home run numbers this year way more in many fewer innings than last year and i just it's just been like he's kind of been fighting all year and who knows this could i think this could lead to you know, this could be more of a positive for him to be able to figure something like this out. But yeah, a few weeks ago, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, six weeks ago, my Cy Young pick is looking really good. Now it's like he's, you know, he's got some work to do, but he's still striking out a lot of batters, which is the insane part to me. Like, didn't he strike out nine against the Mets when he gave up eight runs? Like, that's just incredible. Like, now let's uh, let's go to the bullpen and one guy we we haven't talked a lot about in a while is Joe Jimenez. He was one of the Braves' big offseason trades. Wanted another power arm in the bullpen. Started the season on the injured list uh, in spring training. Didn't get off to the best of starts, but now seems like he's finding his form a little bit. And Justin, you had a chance to grab a few minutes with a big righty when he returned to Detroit. Now that you look back at it, how difficult was the transition after being traded, or easy? Like, what was the biggest adjustment? Yeah, I mean, uh, learning from from other guys that get traded and stuff. You know, uh, it's it's always hard to go to work to an organization, but um, I think it's just like uh, the way that 
uh, Atlanta has received me, you know, uh, as an organization, as a team, the teammates, you know, everything has been great here. So um, for me, uh, I mean, it was an easy transition, uh, I would say, just because, I mean, uh, they, uh, they grabbed me as a family. So I'm just happy to be here. And what have you thought of your season so far this year? Uh, the season, I mean, obviously I started uh, a little slow, I would say, but now I'm just getting the rhythm uh, and, and trying to find my role and stuff. And, and I think everything has uh, come in, uh, in a good position for me to be successful. So I'm just trying to help the team however I can in, in every situation that uh, Snip put me in. And how much of that slow start that you mentioned was due to back surgery and maybe just finding yourself after that and not having gone through it before? Uh, not at all. Uh, I don't think I don't think that's uh, that's something that ever crossed my mind coming out of spring training. Because if I ever felt something out of spring training, I would I would say something. You know, uh, I think it's more uh, that I wasn't. I wasn't, be, I wasn't able to uh, just to get my arm uh, in rhythm and swim training, you know, and, and obviously going to swim, from swim training to the season, it's just, it was a little hard for me, but now I think uh, I'm my, uh, my, I don't know, my the opportunities and all that, just taking advantage of everything. Oh, on May 26, Joe had an ERA of 486. Since then, seven appearances, water and run. And we actually had somebody right around that time ask, you know, us in the Ask Justin segment, was this one of Alex Anthopoulos' worst trades? Got to feel a little better about it now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, talking to him in Detroit, uh, Brian Snicker just said, like, they knew it was going to take time. Uh, and Snit mentioned that this spring, it didn't, you know, Jimenez couldn't even really do a lot of the weight room work that he's been accustomed to doing because of the, lay, you know, after that back surgery and kind of working back into things. So the Braves knew it was going to take a while, um, you know, and that doesn't completely excuse performance, but it gives you a little bit of a reason that maybe he wasn't like he started even slower than usual velocity wise. And I think he's somebody that, you know, might start slow here and there anyways, um, some years, but the velocity numbers seem to keep ticking up uh, right now as fastball over the last couple appearances, or at least when I looked before his last one that earned run uh, was 95 average of 95. So he's getting more like 96s. Um, and so that's kind of more where we're accustomed to seeing it, uh, for sure. Um, in his, you know, in his career, his track record, I think this is, you know, I mean, it looked like a bad trade because of the numbers, but you have to consider who they gave up. Like Justin Henry Malloy, like, was he going to have a spot in Atlanta? I mean, look at this roster, like the next few years, they've got two starting outfielders, like. I guess they could have found a spot eventually if he keeps hitting like, you know, he is. He had a great start with Detroit uh, in that minor league system. But, I mean, I think this was a move to acquire a power righty, somebody you could put in the bullpen. It hasn't lived up to that quite yet. But at this point, all the Braves need Joe Jimenez to be is a good bullpen arm. Like, indeed, they don't need to have a Ken Lee, Rysel Iglesias, two-headed monster like they did last year. Nick Anderson has been good. A.J. Minter is coming around. They have enough depth where they don't need anything superhuman from Joe Jimenez. They just need him to keep rolling these, you know, scoreless innings, scoreless innings, scoreless inning here and there. Get a couple more of those. It seems like, um, you know, he's been much better lately. And when in Detroit, the end of that series uh, before his last outing, only one hit over those last six appearances. All right. Up next, Braves are off on Monday, then headed to Philadelphia to take on the Phillies. And the Phillies oh, have won eight of their last ten. And they're still down eight and a half games and made up no ground. Oh, man. I Can you imagine how infuriating that would be as, like, a team in the NL East? It's like, if you 
my advice to teams in the NL East is if you pick a month to go on your said run, don't pick June. No. Uh, because there's there's another team who tends to play pretty well. No, the Phillies have looked better. We all knew it would turn around, right? To some degree, like maybe the pitching staff isn't, you know, when it's not going, isn't as deep as you would like, whatever. I mean, maybe like defensively, they're not the best, but they've got Trey Turner. They've got Bryce Harper. They've got JT Rubito. They've got Nick Castellanos. They've got Kyle Schwarber. Like even without Reese Hoskins, this team is a juggernaut. It's talented, like, the Phillies have a lot of good dudes on that team. Like, they've got dudes. And they're playing really well now. And we remember, you know, the last time the Braves were there, it did not go so well. The last time Spencer Strider, Tuesday's starter, went there uh, was the Reese Hoskins bat slam. We'll see, you know, if there's any juice Tuesday night. But here's the thing. It's going to be uh, Braves are 20 games over 500. they They're up significantly in the division. But... These are three games that the Phillies can point to and say, we need to make up ground. Get to look them right in the eye, and Wednesday's matchup's very intriguing to me. A.J. Smith-Shawver gets to stare Aaron Nola right in the face. He hasn't been Aaron Nola of what we expect, but he's still Aaron Nola. And it's still Philly. Yep. That is, you know, A.J. Smith-Shawver pitched in Phoenix. Eh, a lot of Braves fans. And, you know, a mellow crowd anyways. He pitched against the Nationals at Truist Park, against the Rockies at Truist Park because he didn't pitch in Detroit. Feels a little bit different. Yes, it does. Just a little bit different. Um, and uh, Philly, it's a different animal out there. You, you, some of some of the things you uh, some of the things you hear from that press box are uh, <laughs> man. So I can't even imagine what it's like for the guys on the field. It's gonna be jumping there. It's gonna be a little bit different. Big win for the Phillies too, Jay. Uh, something that nobody else would care about except me. Actually, some people wa- who watch these games might care about. Six forty games now for the Phillies instead of seven ten. Check. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's that's good. I think that I wonder, like, if I were, do you like watching six forties more than? I, I I'm generally home by six forty. So yeah. and if I'm not, um, that's why God invented a DVR. That's right. So we can uh, we can get to bed a little a little sooner. Now, time for the Ask Justin segment where we answer Braves fans' questions on Twitter at Justin C. Toscano. And we also use the AJC podcast hotline. If you are not aware, we use this for all of our shows. So anytime you want to jump on board, ask any of our hosts a question, including here on the Braves Report, call 404-526-AJCP. That's P for podcast. 404-526-5257. First up. Hey, this is Caleb from Charleston, South Carolina. Seems like the rotation has getting, been getting by on a little bit of smoke and mirrors for a little bit now. Not complaining. Do we get Kyle Wright back this season, or do we make a trade? How is Max Reed looking? Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. I mean, I think they're going to have to make a trade for some sort of back-end starter, like some other pitcher that can serve as depth. But, I mean, they're going to get Max Freed back, you would think. Uh, he's in his throwing program. Kyle Wright was cleared to begin throwing. I mean, I think I, I agree, right? Like Jared Schuster not having a lot of swing and miss. Like that's probably not going to fly for a lot of time, but he's still learning. Uh, A.J. smith Shaver, like there's going to be rough edges around him. Like he's 20 years old. I, I agree that it, it's gone better than anyone could have expected, but I think the Braves also deserve credit. It's not like it's complete luck. They've got to, I think they've got to acquire a starting pitcher, because even when Max Fried and Kyle Wright come back, can you really expect them to be fully like? Can you just bank on that being fully healthy and there being no recurring issues? Can you bank on Spencer Strider and Charlie Morton, you know, staying healthy and Bryce Elder? 
I mean, I think you've got to acquire a starting pitcher. Um, if you're Alex Anthopoulos, like at least look to. I don't know if it's gonna, you know, be a frontline guy or a good guy, or if those teams would even sell. But you've got to acquire some starting pitcher that I think could be serviceable, like a back end guy. For as bad as he was at times, like I think it's got to be a Jake Odorizzi type guy, a guy you can kind of hit hit low on um, a little bit and just kind of hit on. And so, I mean, I, th- I think they've got to acquire somebody. But, yeah, for now, I mean, this is going better than anybody expected. A tradition unlike any other when we record from the stadium, the uh, blowers are clawing, uh, clearing off the upper deck as we uh, do the mailbag segment. So, next up. Christian Ruiz from uh, Dakin, Georgia. Just wondering, um, I know Michael Harris has been in a slump most of the season, but seems to have come out of it in recent days. Um, just wondering if you see him as being an MVP caliber player, you know, in future seasons. Yeah, I, I think so. In future seasons, I mean, I think he does it all, right? Like, he can hit home runs. He can hit for average. I mean, at his best, he's probably got he's got five tools. Like, at his best. Like, he can display all five tools. He's incredible defensively. The arm's unreal. I mean, I think he's an MVP caliber player, but we're going to need to see more. Like, I, I just think that it's tough to go from that jump of where he is to Bryce Harper or Ronald Acuna or, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of the guys, you know, even Trey Turner, you know, Candace, Freddie Freeman. Like, it's tough to have that consistent of production, so we need to see more from Michael Harris. But I think he's got the talent um, to be really, really special. Like, I don't know if he's ever going to win an MVP, but, I mean, I think he's, you know, I let's say this. If you're wearing a Michael Harris jersey, you can be very proud of your investment knowing that he'll be a very, very good player for this team for a long time. Um, I don't know if he's going to be an MVP talent, but I mean, I, I think he's got the talent for it. And we will t- still take your questions off Twitter as well. Speaking of MVPs, this one from Bon Salvador. Does anything make the AL and the NL different now from a rules perspective? If not, why not go down to one MVP each season for the entire MLB? Yeah, I mean, that's interesting, especially with the balanced schedule. You're playing everybody. I still think that you need one per league because you're playing more teams more often. Like, like you can't say like Ronald Acuna loses to, I don't know, in the future, like Adley Rutschman or whatever. And, and say the Yankees that year are really bad. The Red Sox are really bad that year. The Rays are mediocre that year. And this, that, and the other thing. I don't know. But say the Blue Jays are also mediocre. You can't. It's hard to quantify that when he's gotten to play a lot of games against those teams with Ronald Acuna playing against a theoretically stacked NL East or something like that. I think you've got to have two. Yes, they're not much different. You know, not different with the DH and things like that anymore. Like that's universal. But I think you still got to have two because of the factors. The factors in each league and each ballpark are just so different that it's hard to standardize for like the sport overall. To me, last one from Darren Stout: Is this the most complete Braves team since the 1990s? it's got to be right like 2003 comes to mind maybe is that the 2003 yeah. Braves led the league in OPS at 824 that was the killer lineup of Chef Andrew Vinny Castilla some guy named Chipper um this year's team 810 OPS leads the National League another last year's team pretty complete too by the way um the 2002 Braves for those of a certain generation, spend some time looking at that baseball reference page and look at that bullpen that the Braves <laughs> had in 2002. They had three guys in the ERA below two. Oh, my God. But, That's... yes, th- this this team is is definitely <laughs> right up there with some of the greats. Yeah, it's it's got to be, and like that's why I asked for your take. I mean, you've been watching this team a long time. Um, what is the hole on this team? 
what is it? Like the bullpen maybe when it wasn't good, the rotation is injured. I mean, like even still, the starters have been the best in the NL. Like, and, yeah. you know, and so it's I, I, it's let, let's just say this: when it comes to deadline time, Alex Anthopoulos can make a big trade if desired. But the Braves will be just fine if they work around the margins. Like they, this is a very, very good team that. Because we followed them so closely, we tend to pick apart with a fine-tooth comb. But, I mean, it's this is a really stacked team. Best record in the National League, best OPS in the National League, second-best ERA in the National League. Those things generally add up. Now time for winners of the week. Lead it off. Ooh, my winner of the week has got to be, um, you know, I'm going to go with Michael Harris. Because he felt like he wasn't really getting much due from the baseball gods. Comes out, he keeps hitting, he keeps doing what he's doing. He didn't have any three-hit games before the one against the Mets this season, any three-hit games. He's now got, I think, three three-hit games, a four-hit game, and then a five-hit game. And three of those have come, as you said, Jay, earlier in the podcast, in the last week. Uh, that's uh, that's quite the little turn here. I had some nominations. Eddie Rosario, six RBIs, career highs. It's seven home runs in June. That leads the team. Uh, had three straight games with uh, rookie starting pitchers, getting three straight wins. But um, I'm going to take some history. Ron Lacuna reaching 15 homers and 30 stolen bases in 70 games for the first time in baseball history. Yeah, it's, I've never seen it before. It's it's really exciting to see him just set the table and also eat off the table when there's runners on, too. I mean, he's, he's, he's the MVP, I, I think. That's Travis Darno. I kind of like that. Sets the table and eats off the table. Yeah, because he does it all. Yes, he, uh, does. he does both. He has a clean plate and a clean table. Uh, and that's it for a very clean show for us. So uh, uh, happy Father's Day, everybody. Yeah, no, happy Father's Day to everybody. Um, and happy Father's Day uh, to your dad. Yeah, yes, unfortunately. Uh, this is the uh, Jay Black has lost a parent segment of the show. My dad passed away in November, so my first Father's Day uh, without him. But, uh, you know, we will uh, we'll soldier on. And uh, who's your father? Heck yeah. No, yeah, my dad... Um, yeah, grew up taking me to games uh, over there in San Diego and uh, really fostered my love for sports and uh, for baseball especially, and you know, football, basketball, everything like that. Was always, you know, coaching our team. So, yeah, really, uh, really love you, Dad. Proud to have you. And um, he's probably listening to this podcast. So, hello, Dad. I couldn't quite uh, get my dad to grasp the the podcast uh, thing, but he, he certainly grasped the radio, and uh, he was he was my coach uh, growing up at the Collins Hill uh, Athletic Association. So that's it for us. Uh, you know, like we ask every week, and some, some are doing it, we encourage more to. Please rate, review, follow, and share the show. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, and we'll be here for you every Monday on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, Look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.